Hi, everyone. Welcome to this podcast on artificial intelligence as part of an OMFIF series on AI and its implications on central banks. I'm very pleased to have here Greg Wilson, who is the Chief Technology Officer at the Worldwide Public Sector at Microsoft for Government. And Greg, really nice to have you here. Julian, delighted to be here and uh, thanks for the invite. An interesting topic and uh, looking forward to our chat. So, First, would you mind telling the audience what work you do at Microsoft right now and how it relates to AI? So obviously, Microsoft is very focused on our AI products at the moment. And my role as the chief technology officer is looking after globally the public sector customers for Microsoft that are focused in the government area. And as part of that, that's public finance. And that's really obviously the relevance today. But equally, the same applicability of AI to things like public safety and justice, so fire, police, ambulance, coast guard, some of our national critical infrastructure, and some of our national health, public health services as well. So there's no doubt that we're in a wave of hype around artificial intelligence, whether it's the LLM craze or general perceptions that AI is taking over more and more industry, or at least changing the nature of those industries. But from your purview, what do you see in the development of AI today? Where do you think we are? To be honest, I see really exciting times ahead. I think there's amazing levels of growth and adoption in AI as we go forward and the associated hyperscale cloud technology, which it sits on. What we're seeing is it's really revolutionizing how both the commercial and the public sector are beginning to evolve evolve, and at a rapid, rapid pace. You know, lots of people have heard about the power of open AIs, GPT-4 and Azure OpenAI, our partnership with them. Uh, and some have been really surprised and extended of the impact this is having. And therefore, you know, what we've seeing in Microsoft that actually this is the first time in history that we've created machines that are making decisions that previously had only been made by people. Mm. This AI era, which Microsoft are proud to be leading as we go forward in a number of our products, are really leading into our mission of how do we help every person and every organization to achieve more on the planet and for the better. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're trying to take forward with AI. And that's what we're seeing from everything from C-suite driving their policies and directions and changes in businesses to the ground floor, pushing use cases with great innovation, creativity and imagination. So and given all of these reasons to be exciting, and I completely agree with you that we are seeing the application of AI to just such a diversity of industries, whether it's healthcare, whether it's finance, whether it's manufacturing but it, it is really impressive and it's incredible what um, the technology is capable of. But looking towards skeptics of AI, some might say, okay, well, haven't we seen this sort of hype around technology before with say the crypto digital asset bubble that previously dominated much of uh, the technological discussion. So what, uh, what do you think might make AI different? For me, what we're seeing in the AI being different to maybe some of the technologies and the, and the bubble that you referred to is actually the impact on productivity and the fact that it's a using the data to change how people are doing their day-to-day business and their services. 
And in the past, maybe digital transformation wasn't as far forward as it should be. But the adoption rate that we're seeing of people using their technology to enhance their day-to-day business, for me, is a big change here. And also, you don't need to be a technical expert. Your queries are in your local language. You know, the new software programming language is English in my case, obviously different languages for other. And that's where we're seeing it breaking through in how businesses are thinking about improving the employee workspace, transforming business processes. What does it mean for their customer experiences that addressing you know, some of the public and societal challenges that we've had from everything from sustainability to accessibility. But answering your point about the skeptics and some of the those that are maybe concerned around it, what we're now seeing is a collective of governments and academia and companies like ourselves, Microsoft. And how do we ensure this ethical and importantly trusted use of AI with the right skills and the approach going forward. So for me, this is a big transformation mm. journey. I also see it being really dependent on the cloud and Microsoft's cloud and how many people are doing that journey. They don't want to be left behind because actually everybody talks about AI, but AI is just a tool that sits on our digital transformation journeys, which begin in the cloud. And Microsoft Cloud is where I would always say the magic begins. And I think we've moved on in that stage, which is why this is, for me, AI is here to stay and the innovative drive, the wide-scale adoption and the creativity we're seeing, I think, is is the difference this time. So I'd like to come back to that point about productivity growth in a little bit. But first, I want to ask about the cloud because it's not necessarily intuitive to everyone why the cloud is so important to AI's development. Can you you maybe speak about that a little bit? So you mentioned at the beginning, large language models. To be honest, AI is based on the data. It's the data that drives it. And it's not just something that you store on a laptop. The data that generates these answers through the neural networks that we have is basically driving adoption to hyperscale cloud and where people are storing lots of data, also able to store their own data and keep that uh, separate because in Microsoft, we don't use company data or individual data to chain, train these models. But when you talk about the scale and the compute power, you know, everybody talks about big data. For me, we're in the era of massive data. Yeah. And that's why the cloud needs to come. Also, the ability of the cloud to provide the security that is needed, the processing power, the reach and host the services needed is why cloud is so important to driving forward AI and the use of things like the uh, co-pilot models that we have or open AI services they'll measure. Yeah, well, it certainly does seem that cloud and the capacity that it helps produce around big data is one of the probably three big pieces that drive AI innovation. Uh, The other two being, as you said, compute and the third algorithmic efficiency. So it seems that those fights are happening on three fronts right now. But coming back to the point earlier about productivity. So that does, you know, putting the our economic history hat on, the promise of productivity growth through AI is a very auspicious, it's a very um, exciting one, given productivity stagnation over the last 30 or so years in many Western countries and developed countries in general. Now, with productivity growth may also come several potentially negative economic consequences, uh, whether that's economic concentration, inequality, 
literature on skill bias, technological change that privileges individuals who have abilities that are complemented by the technology. So how do you look at those challenges around our economic embrace of AI? So I think um, for me, what we're seeing very much is an increased productivity and efficiency because it can drive productivity across industries, leading to improved efficiency and the potential to produce, you know, more outputs with fewer resources. But as you said, there's other economic impacts that we can see that that need to be addressed. Things like skills gap in the labour market and where it goes. And that's that in certain sectors, how do we develop the skills that are needed? And we're certainly seeing those now with prompt engineers and also where AI automation can come through. And I think that that to me is some of the discussions that we need to be having around where we see the economic productivity that you've mentioned and the growth. But certainly the expectation that the market is seeing is that this isn't really a bubble. I don't think it is. And how we can see the significant impact on GDP climbing as a result of the uh, investments that are coming forward, the adoptions that's coming forward in this. And I think it will be given a strong performance over time. I think we are seeing investor excitement in the technologies and a recognition that actually, um, you know, this is here to stay. And you talked about the large language models, you talked about the computers upgrades, et cetera, and what it just means for countries being able to develop and go forward. Everything from environmental sustainability positivity and where that impacts energy consumption, water usage. You can see the use cases around resource management and uh, also actually in the financial services, you know, how do we do risk assessment, reduce fraud detection, use the advanced algorithms to help optimize processes and be that financial or other sectors. So for me, I think there will be an economic impact on this, but rightly we need to balance that with some of the concerns around have we got the right skilling, privacy, security? And you obviously talked about algorithm biases uh, as we go forward. Yeah. And I'd like to come back to some of you know what big tech and policymakers might be able yeah. to do to help mediate uh, or circumvent some of these, uh, these potential risks. Now, on the algorithmic uh, efficient, efficiencies and applications to financial institutions, you talked about some of the ways that that might be used. Obviously, at OMFIF here, we're very concerned with central banks, and I'm wondering how you think AI might be deployed by central banks today and in the years to come. So I think um, we're already seeing this now in in where some of the financial institutions, including central banks, are using AI. For me, AI-powered algorithms, when you're dealing with big data and massive data, you know, how do you use that to sift and reduce risk? So for me, the big topic is risk assessment and management. And AI-powered algorithms can analyze vast amounts of financial data to help people assess and manage risk more efficiently, be that for credit risks for loans, market risk analysis for investment portfolios, or just operational risk monitoring. So for me, there's a big bit in there. With with I also think you're going to see it more one of the big asks, and not just in, in the financial sector, but anywhere involving money, et cetera, is how do we do fraud detection, how do we do fraud prevention going forward and maybe detect fraudulent activities when it's such a big number of transactions. And this is about identifying anomalies and raising alerts of maybe suspicious behaviours or trends that are not natural for the area or the country or the or the area, the location that we're dealing with. 
So I think that then helps people flag up when it's a big data environment. And it really links into, you know, the how it can assist in the know your customer bit from the financial sector and you know what are the potential risks are we doing due diligence correctly to help each other and combat financial crime i think you'll also see in financial services you know how does it help with um, trading strategies analyzing the market identifying patterns executing trades we've already seen to get more efficient optimized trading strategies and then the other area is actually customer service mm and personalization and what we're seeing not just in uh, in the financial sector but across is the use of ai powered chatbots and the virtual assistants so we have the power virtual agent and quite a few of our customers doing that but how do you personalize that to answer queries and in financial case maybe basic financial transactions improve the customer experience and yet reduce the workload on the employee to make them more effective more efficient to engage at where decisions need to be made going forward so I think uh, for me, there's, that's how it will help. And as regulation goes forward, also, you know, how can AI help ensure that compliance standards and regulations for transactions, maybe with suspicious activities or generating reports required by regulators can be done? So content generation is a thing that AI will do in a lot of places. They can summarize meetings, they can take notes, they can flag things as the tools are being used to do that. So I think uh, in terms of central bank operations, we'll see AI used to monitor a range of activities from economic indicators, inflation, various data, complex economic models, as well as just day-to-day engagement with the customers going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So both of these fronts that we're talking about here, both in terms of the macro side of AI applications and in terms of the operating models for central banks are sea changes potentially in terms of how the institutions in the case of central banks and the macro economy, on the other hand, how they operate. Now, those are big transformations. I mean, even with central banks, we, you know, they tend to be slower moving, more hesitant to take on new technology, but we are certainly seeing that most major central banks are doing something around their uh, integration of AI at this point. But when we look at these transformations, of course, enough. one piece of it is what policymakers are doing to set appropriate guardrails, as you spoke about earlier, to make sure that we're taking on this embrace of AI in a smart way. What do you think some of the most pertinent challenges are? And you know, specifically, are there any that you feel are just not being addressed right now? Yeah, I, I think what you say is fair. It's the adoption rate of financial institutes and central banks but we are seeing it beginning to evolve more rapidly as a result of the AI, particularly with a lot of the ongoing research and development in the field that we're doing, you know, in partnership with central banks. And I think as technologies become more sophisticated, their impact on the financial industry and macroeconomics will, will grow significantly due to the pace of tech change. And therefore, when we talk about policy challenges, the probably the biggest challenge is getting a policy that keeps pace. And how do you take that forward? You know, and, and countries and governments around the world are asking common questions. You know, how can we use this new technology to solve our problems? How do we avoid and, uh, you know, manage the new problems it might create? Um, and then how do you control this technology that is so powerful? And and these are questions that are not just for broad thought and conversation, but the need for decisive and effective action. 
And that's where the governments and regulatory industries need to go forward, because actually we've seen you you referred to you know, AI helping in health, generating new insights, uh, innovation, protecting human rights, etc. But it's not just enough to focus on the opportunities to use AI to improve people's lives and the technology. It's important that we have a proper control over. It. And so in Microsoft, we, we're pretty hard over on this one and, and committed. You know, it, it's a key thing that we recognize that it, there's responsibility on us to also deploy and develop tech uh, AI in a safe and responsible way. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the need for guardrails are required. Shared responsibility is not just left to tech, but that's to the consumers, also the people that will be using this and to the governments. And so in back in 2018, we, we adopted six ethical principles for AI. Fairness, transparency, privacy, security, inclusivity, reliability. But actually the one that's fundamental for me is accountability. And therefore, how do we ensure that AI remains under control of humans as we go forward? And that's a first order priority that we recognize for ourselves and governments. But also in a democratic society, one of our foundational principles is that no person is above the law. No government is above the law. No company is above the law. And therefore, no product or technology should be above the law, which means there's an onus on people like ourselves who design and then those who operate the AI systems. They need to be accountable and those accountabilities are subject to the rule of law. And therefore, in short, this is where we've been taking the challenges of going forward to work with risk management approach with governments, regulatory bodies, to try and prioritize and answer how we can unlock the good of AI and the greater good whilst mitigating the risks and ensure a responsible use. And that's regulating your frameworks in AI and finance around algorithm transparency, a lot around data privacy and security, which is evolving for different areas. And also how do we address some of the bias and fairness maybe in IA systems and make sure that it's uh, understood. And then really, even looking at fintech and startups, how do you regulate and collaborate with them without stifling fair competition going forward? So for me, there's lots of areas and the, and the big area as well is maybe cross-border data sharing. And we know we're doing a lot with central banks. And, and what does that mean for regulations as you begin to deal, particularly in the global market around international collaboration? So slightly long winded, you can hear, you know, Microsoft, yeah, is passionate. Well, Microsoft is passionate about uh-huh. getting the policies right and helping move forward. But it's not something that can be done in isolation. It needs to be a collaboration. Sure. And so just to go into this a little bit more here, a lot of people might be skeptical about big tech's ability to play a part in the regulation and creation of a quote aligned AI. We've certainly seen efforts by major AI innovators in the labs, whether it's DeepMind or OpenAI, to play a part in helping craft and helping spur the regulation that guides AI systems. But, uh, you know, what, what do you make of that skepticism that some people might have? I reckon, you know, I was in public sector and you get this, I can get the skepticism, but I don't believe in it, to be honest, because big tech companies are at the forefront of AI research and development. You know, we're investing lots of money and, and time and we we are really keen to invest in responsible AI research and responsible AI development and deployment to p- promote those principles of transparency, fairness and safety. 
but if, if we're going to do that and we've got that expertise, how can you expect maybe other parts of government who aren't day to day engaged in this technology to understand it to the same level? What does this actually mean? And that to me means there must be collaboration with governments, regulated bodies and academia to develop AI policies and standards and share best practice if we're going to achieve the goals and value of AI that is wanted. And it's responsible on big tech and us to help these organisations and governments understand it and make sure that also we comply and understand with local regulations and compliance when they go forward. Because the boom that we've seen in the transition of thing, you know, people now understand GPT, they talk about large language models, but where's the use cases and how do we educate? So I think there is an onus on big tech also to inform the public about AI. Uh, what are the benefits? Maybe what are the risks? Also to dispel some of the myths that are out there as we go forward. And therefore, for me, I suppose I would sum it up as, you, you know, big tech has a big role to play in this. Microsoft yeah. have been doing it for a long time. And it's important that we have partnerships with the right people to help develop the right thinking and that whatever is put in place understands the impact of AI, the ramifications of what policies or decisions they may be doing. Right. Because ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, it goes back to what you took. We need to get it right to improve macroeconomics for countries and and, and right. the productivity and the ability to be competitive for companies, et cetera. Right, right. And certainly it's early days now, too, with the regulations. Um, right. And those are conversations that both the private and public sector are having around what the guardrails guard should be. And, you know, I mean, I think it's also worth saying that there are very novel challenges around AI alignment and AI regulation that we just have never in, encountered before. And the sheer quantity of specialized knowledge necessary to try to design an aligned AI system is really quite extraordinary. It goes back. It, the world is moving very fast, isn't it? It is. Um, and that's why the partnership and sharing is so important. So we can keep aligned with each other. So I, I have one more question for us today, which is what would it look like for AI to go right? And what would it look like for AI to go wrong? So for me, it, it sort of builds on the on, on what we just said. It, this is around, you know, AI governance, really, for me. And and um you know, how do you address the current and emerging AI issues through public policy, law, regulations? And as a result, you know, Microsoft published its five-point blueprint for governing AI, which offers a view on this. And we hope it will constructively uh, contribute to the discussions. It certainly is with what we're having with uh, governments around the world. But our five points are very briefly, you know, how do you implement and build on government-led AI safety framework. So how do we help customers and go forward in safety? What are potentially the breaks that we may need to apply to AI systems to control, particularly maybe around critical infrastructure? And then the third point is, how do we develop a broader legal and regulatory framework based on the technical architecture for AI? But fourth for me is that promotion of transparency across public access and academic access and then the last point really builds on what we said just a few minutes ago about what are the new public and private partnerships to use AI as an effective tool to address societal challenges that we need to do. And the way we, we phrase that really, we took it from the finance sector and the know your customer model. So for us, we call it the KY3C, you know, and how do we know your customer 
by knowing your cloud, really, knowing the customers and also the content. So you need to understand where your data and information is. You need to understand what your customer is using for it and, and which cloud they are using it on as well. So how are they accessing? What do they want to do? How are they informing each other? How is it being labeled uh, to get that transparency right? And I think by taking that forward in those discussions and understanding it, then actually we will get after good good governance of transparency and accountability, the right ethical frameworks, multi-stakeholder engagement, collaboration, addressing algorithm bias, and also responsible AI research, all on a strong foundation of trust, data privacy, and cybersecurity. And that, that underpins it all. And then to drive that forward, it's got to be about public awareness and education. They need to trust what the governments are doing. They need to trust what big tech are doing. They need to understand what other customers are doing. So how do you create that public awareness and education around the benefits, the risks to inform decision-making based on facts as opposed to maybe hype? And I think, you know, the opposite of that is, if we don't do this, it'll go wrong because there's a lack of transparency. There's discrimination in algorithms not being poorly governed, privacy violations, inadequate regulations and standards, lack of the public feeling they're involved. And as a result of that, you get unintended consequences through poorly governed AI, errors, financial losses, safety issues, et cetera. That's, that's why we come out with the blueprint. It's the discussion that we're having to address, you know, remain vigilant, I suppose, and address the policy changes to ensure particularly the financial sector can leverage AI responsibility, responsibly and for the benefit of all. All right. Well, this is going to be a rapidly moving and advancing space. It has been a rapidly moving and advancing question. So we're going to be continuing to monitor it very closely here at OMFIF. Uh, you can read a lot about our work on artificial intelligence on our website at onfif.org, where we're hosting roundtables, reports, uh, commentaries on the topic, discussing AI's applications to central banking and finance. And uh, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciated this. Great to talk to you about AI and its applications to finance. Thank you very much, Julian. Delighted to be with you and uh, always working with you and your team. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast.